Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought by Punchable News. It's Friday, November 12th, 2021. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got a look around the leaderboard about their political considerations going into the final stretch this year. Number two, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski announces she's running for re-election. And number three, Mark Meadows, remember him? Will he or won't he testify before the January 6th Select Committee? All right, Jake, let's get into it. The top of Punchable News AM has a look at all of the leaders uh, in Congress and their political consideration 21 days until government funding runs out. They've got President Joe Biden's legislative agenda on the clock. The debt limit needs to be lifted. The annual National Defense Authorization Act needs to be passed. Uh, We're really about to enter into that kind of annual end of year madness. Yeah, this is a lot worse than usual, though. Um, you know, uh, I, we have debt, as you said, debt limit, government funding, the Joe Biden agenda, all of this stuff, the NDAA, all this stuff on its own would be difficult or one of these things would be difficult. Uh, they're all really difficult. So let's start with Pelosi. Um, <laughs> you know, this is going to anger some people and that's okay because it's a Friday and they'll, you know, hopefully just like go home and have a nice dinner and, and get over it. But, you know, uh, Pelosi needs to take control of the game here. Like she's been coddling progressives and moderates for a long time. It's time for her to just say, we're, this is the path we're going and we're taking it right now. I mean, the fits and starts she's had over the last couple of months are just treacherous. I mean, she's, she did get infrastructure across the finish line, but like now it's time for her to take control of the BBB, the Build Back Better Act. And like, here's the thing, like moderates who have been dragging their feet on the BBB, at the end of the day, they're either going to be for this bill or against this bill. And like, it is the end of the day. <laughs> I hate to say it. It's the end of the day. And she needs to, um, She at some point pretty soon, she's going to need to to get these moderates on board or fix the bill so they can't, so they won't, so they will get on board. And then after all that, Pelosi's got to deal with the fact that um, it's going to come back from the Senate in a completely different position than it was in in the House. And, and like that's challenging too. And this all is happening in a compressed period of time. Um, you know, I, I, just to say this at the top, like we would be, it would be a huge victory for Democrats if they were able to get this done before the end of the year. Like that would be a big timing victory for for the for Democrats. Because then I just think like it's an artificial deadline. I get it, but like that's a big victory. There's so much to be done. Yeah, let's talk about, I mean, as big of a challenge as Speaker Nancy Pelosi has in front of her, I I think if you look at the kind of power dynamics on Capitol Hill, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer really faces all of the same brutal factors and combinations that Pelosi does, but even more. I mean, the Senate is in this, as everyone knows, but let's just like tee it up in this 50-50 split in one of the longest periods in its history. You've got the Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema factor, Right. Um, there is not a single vote to spare. I mean, Pelosi's got three. Schumer must think in his head, wow, I've got none. Um, you know, essentially every single Democratic senator has veto power on every single bill. And you also have to think, like, step back a little bit. It's not just the political calculations of, okay, how do we get this bill passed? But it's 
how do we keep the majority in 2022, particularly looking down at the president and his flailing, you know, approval rating, um, you know, and at the same thing, same time, like he's trying to thread the needle on NDAA, on government funding, this fight with McConnell over the debt limit. I mean, the pressure for Schumer is so high. It is. Um, and and I would say, just to add one more thing on, on the Schumer angle, um, he faces this really big challenge that people think, and kind of indicated that, that he's coddling Manchin cinema. And, and I mean, I don't think he really, I don't think he... I don't think he has a choice, but he, you know, here's how we put it this morning. He has to steer the BBB through the Senate, replicate his win in last month's showdown with McConnell over the debt limit, put together a spending deal while avoiding government shutdown. Uh, Any one of these would be a challenge. All three together are like trying to traverse a mountain covered in ice wearing flip flops. I'll take credit for that line, as as you know, Anna. Um, It's a very Sherman-esque line in the morning of Fungible News. Uh, Mitch McConnell, like, this is really simple. I'll... We could talk about McConnell if you want, but McConnell's got to just deal with the debt limit. He faces people in his conference who are skeptical over his um, over his kind of handling of the debt limit. Last time he he gave Democrats a, a two or three month reprieve, whatever it was, two month reprieve. Um, what is his plan this time? He's not telling anybody. He's going to have to start telling people because people are curious and we're not that far away. Um, so. Um, that's the whole game for McConnell and for McCarthy. It's like, like, you know, he's Kevin McCarthy, with a, minority leader. Yeah, in the Kevin house. McCarthy. Kevin's got to deal with like a conference that is just a mess at the moment. For re, like, you got Paul Gosar doing anime death fantasies of AOC. I mean, this is just the most bizarre, bizarre behavior. You have half the conference wants to dump the thirteen people who voted for the infrastructure bill. Um, like M- McCarthy's gonna most likely going to lead this party back to the majority. But goodness gracious, I mean, you know, I remember, Anna, I don't think we talked about this the other day, but like, maybe we did. But like Boehner used to, John Boehner used to say, uh, you know, is a party ready to lead? I mean, we keep getting, we keep getting. I think we talked about this yesterday, in fact, which seems like a long time ago. Yeah, But but like, here's another piece of evidence, Anna, that this party just might not be ready for prime time. Yeah, and I just I just want to say one thing on that. I, I think, you know, when you're McCarthy, all you're doing is trying to say no, right? You're in the minority. You don't have any of the pressures that the majority has. But you have to think, I mean, T minus X months, right? Everybody says the House is going to have a Republican majority. How can he actually lead this kind of ragtag group of members that clearly don't even seem to like each other at this point. I mean, there's so much intra-party fighting among House Republicans. Yeah, basically, like, if you put him on truth serum, what he would say is like, God, I wish these clowns stopped clowning, you know? (laughs) And that's what he wants to say here, because it's like, dude, we're on the brink of winning back the majority. History tells us this. Inflation's high. The economy is is kind of, you know, um, chugging along, not great not bad but like not impressive to a lot of americans biden's approval ratings are in the toilet um uh trillions of dollars of new spending which didn't matter in the trump administration but all of a sudden matters now like all he has to be saying in his head is like you gotta be kidding me with this garbage like paul gosar could i put him in a closet somewhere for like but he's not saying anything i mean he's not saying anything you're right because he doesn't want to make them the story which is embarrassing for him because 
they are the story. And like, I understand playing it safe. I get it. Like there's a, there's an argument to just like, be like, okay, listen, everything in, in context, like this too shall pass, but this is not passing like Gosar doing anime cartoons of like, what don't he, doesn't he have something better? Don't they have something better to do in that office than do these disturbing murder fantasy cartoons? Don't they have something better to do? Like who cares if 13 Republicans voted for this damn bill? Like it's going to help some of these people win reelection in their estimation. So like they got to vote for it. Like you're, you're like Biden getting infrastructure. Yeah. It's, it's a victory for him. Is it going to make him buck the trend of, of the party in power losing the house? Probably not. Like history just tells us that. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm overreacting, Anna, but I just think that like they are totally blowing this thing out of proportion for reasons that are not clear to me. All right. Well, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Alaska GOP Senator Lisa Murkowski. She is going to run for re-election next year. This is a big Big win for Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, particularly after uh, Mr. Sununu, the governor in New Hampshire, decided not to run a race that a lot of Republicans had hoped uh, he would get in on. But this is it's an interesting dynamic because you have McConnell happy on one hand, but at the other side, on your other hand, it is going to upset former President Donald Trump. Trump has already endorsed one of Murkowski's primary opponents after she voted for his impeachment in February. Yeah, here's the line from Murkowski in her video this morning. In this election, lower 48 outsiders are going to try to grab Alaska set a seat for their partisan agendas. They don't understand our state, and frankly, they couldn't care less about your future. That's just like, hey, come at Ooh, me. I mean, whoo, hot. Very hot. I mean, listen, Murkowski ran a write-in campaign back in the day. So, like, if there's somebody who could buck political trends, like, it's Lisa Murkowski who's father was the uh, uh, governor and former senator from the state. Um, this is somebody who's just been been Alaska through and through. I mean, that doesn't mean she can't lose. I'm not saying she can't lose. But what I'm saying is Murkowski to bet against her is kind of folly, I would say. And this is a big victory for McConnell because, you know, he this is an incumbent running for re-election, an incumbent, a battle-tested incumbent, been in the, been in the Senate, uh, you know, for almost 20 years, uh, 20 years next year, I guess it would be. Um, so big win. Absolutely. I mean, and if nothing else for McConnell, it means that, you know, Lisa Murkowski can take care of her own business, right? I mean, it's not going to be a state that they're going to have to really pour tons and tons of money into probably. And, and if nothing else, she can certainly run her own operation. All right, let's move on to number three story of the morning. Mark Meadows, remember him? the former Republican from North Carolina, who once pushed to have the House initiate contempt proceedings against a top FBI official for refusing to comply with a congressional subpoena, now may face the same fate himself. Meadows, of course, former White House chief of staff to then-President Donald Trump, uh, is supposed to be or has been subpoenaed to testify before the January 6th Select Committee this morning um, to appear for a deposition in his role in the deadly attack on the Capitol. However, it doesn't appear that that's going to happen, Jake. No, Me Meadows, I don't think is going to participate. I mean, I don't know if we should stand outside of a room all day to... to um to ask to see if he shows up. I don't, I don't think he's going to show up. Um, you know, listen, this is getting litigated in courts. Uh, Meadows is a Trump is a Trump 
loyalist. He will be, has been. And guess what? Even if he thought about not being at this point, there's no reason. He's got nothing else. He's not a member of Congress. He's he's put in his lot with Trump. And I'm not suggesting he would do that. I'm just saying, you know, his his kind of world is clo- has closed around him in a sense. Um, uh, so listen, I, I don't think he'll participate. I think that he doesn't mind being held in contempt. But remember, Meadows, I don't think, wants to go to prison either. I'm not suggesting he will. But if there's a criminal contempt charge, uh, I'm, and, and DOJ takes it up, this is going to cost him some money. I don't think, I mean, he could get other people to pay for it, I guess, but I'm not sure who would be paying for it. Meadows isn't fabulously rich. He's got some money, but he's, um, uh, you know, he always thinks he's smarter than the system. So we'll see. He's got George Terwilliger, who you and I have dealt with back in the Aaron Shock Many days. times, he's, many times. He's, defend, he's defended Aaron Shock uh, successfully. Uh, uh, we must say. Um, so anyway, I, that's kind of my view. I don't, Anna, do you have any, any thoughts about Yeah, no, I think the only thing that's interesting too, is just the historical fact. We could not find a single record of Congress holding a former member in contempt. So something to watch just as we continue to talk about kind of the breakdown of norms on Capitol Hill. And this seems to be potentially just another kind of marker in that line of thinking. All right, everybody. Happy Friday. Hope you enjoyed this recess week because it is going to be a very, very busy uh, next week. Thank you so and much month. for listening. <laughs> and month. And, and month. Uh, leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe. <laughs>